Please join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the season. This is it. It's graduation season, confirmation season, it's wedding season, engagement season. You name the pathway, it's out there in the next three or four months for us. And you've gotten invitations, no doubt, to thus and such and thus and such. Drive to San Diego for the graduation, go over to Chapman for the graduation, come for kindergarten graduation at St. John's, maybe a wedding, maybe an anniversary. It's the season for all that stuff. Just when you thought, when you came to church last Sunday and found all your Easter eggs, that everything was kind of winding up. It just doesn't work that way when Easter's so late. There's a ton of stuff coming on. Even our eighth graders, they went on their eighth grade trip, leaving last night on the red eye, arriving this morning at O-Dark 30 in Washington, D.C. Even now, on the move, on the road, go, go, go. Those kids will walk almost 10 miles today and then graciously fall into the bed, dead asleep, tired feet, and relieved counselors and parents. It's just the way it is. The eighth graders get back exhausted. They have confirmation, they have graduation, and then they're off into high school and all the things of summer sports, summer music, summer trips, and all of those things. And their lives just mirror what our lives look like that. Life just doesn't slow down. As a matter of fact, it seems to gain inertia until that glorious week or two where we say, Phone goes off, computer goes off, and I'm on vacation. Seems like a long ways away. But pick one of those events and think how that works through the family system, right? If you have a wedding in your family this summer, everything orbits around that wedding. You've already got out, you've saved the dates, more than likely you've already sent your uh, invitations. No doubt you're already receiving invitations back from the older, more organized part of the family. You've already checked in with the caterer, the church, the pastor. You've checked in with all of the stuff you got to do with the photographer, the videographer, and all of those things so that when the day comes, when the event is around, it's all together and it's beautiful because that's how we do it. And the events are fantastic in our lives. And the wedding connects those two people together. And the most important part of the wedding is not the reception, contrary to possible belief, It's the part that says, I take you to be my wife. I take you to be my husband. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death parts us. And I pledge you my faith. And then it's the reception and the fun and the pictures. And we're getting ready for that season. Maybe even you're at the focal point of that as a graduate or a confirmand or one of those pieces of life. But do those events in your life, some bigger and some smaller, do they connect together? Is your life kind of a a puzzle that as you put those pieces in, the the, the, the picture becomes clearer? Or is your life just kind of puzzle pieces that are out there that don't kind of seem to fit and the picture's never clear? And you say, well, this fits, but it doesn't fit. I'm hammering this piece in and it doesn't work. And I just don't, it just doesn't seem to connect. Thomas is there in our text with that. It just doesn't connect for him. Things don't work out. 
He's not there when Jesus comes. And so when the guys say to him, last week when we were here, we saw the Lord and it was cool. And he talked to us and we hung out. Thomas goes, yeah, right. Sure you did. You see, Thomas knew what he knew, that, that Jesus was betrayed and suffered and died. And sure as shoot, he knew Jesus on that cross. But dead men tell no tales. And a dead savior, a dead guy is not a messiah. He's just another insurrectionist who was put to death by the Romans and the Jewish leaders. But he needed something to tie life together. He needs something bigger and grander than just a big event. Hey, Friday night was a big event, but Jesus had something more. He needed a bigger platform, Thomas did, to draw life together and to make sense of all of the things that he had been through. He knew what he knew, but he didn't know what he didn't know. He had been there when Jesus preached the gospel, healed the sick, was betrayed when he suffered and he died. And that all led to the conversation among the disciples, but there was still more that had to happen. And he had given himself over to another reality, a reality of what seems real. Reality what happens when people are frightened and afraid. And then Jesus shows up. And then you know what you know. You know that your buddy could rise from the dead. And then Jesus offers Thomas more. Instead of saying, isn't this great? Jesus said, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at my side. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. My sense from this text is that it's warm that it's engaging, that it's something beautiful where the men in the room are, are gathered together leaning into one another, where Jesus is creating the connections of life and the events of Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the week. Jesus is leaning in not to scold or demean the disciples, but, but there to make the connections of the events so they make sense for the guys so that they can get on with the mission of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus helps deliver a platform from them upon which they will base the entirety of their lives. And he begins with a single verse in John, a single word in John 20 when he says, peace be with you. Into fearful lives, he speaks the word of peace. And in his presence, he brings peace. I don't think they were startled when he showed up. I, th I think that they said, oh, oh. And in their fear, Jesus said, peace be with you. My sense is they took a deep breath and they said, okay, Jesus is here. He commands the room then not with judgment, but with peace not yelling at them and recounting the horrible events from which they fled, not sticking it to them with a finger in the sternum, but saying, peace be with you. No doubt they're trying to figure out what the deal is. And that single word calms their fear. Fear of the government, fear of the religious leaders, Jesus brings peace. And where Jesus is in your life, he brings peace. In the midst of an anxious season, in the midst of an anxious time, in the midst of so many things to do, Jesus' presence brings peace.
And that peace helps string together the events of our lives. Moving from peace to peace and event to event, the risen Jesus present with us in our homes and families, in our lives and our decision-making process is not a presence of anxiety, but a presence of peace. Peace because he did what he said he was going to do. He suffered and he died and he rose again. And there's a platform upon which you can build a life. He comes with peace and he comes with grace. Would have been a great moment to say, I told you so. It would have been a great moment for Jesus to say, I was right and you were wrong. He could have walked right over to Peter and said, hey, idiot. Remember that thing with that deal where I said you were going to deny me and you said, oh, no, I will, yeah, I will never deny you. All these other disciples will leave, but not me. Jesus could have walked over to Peter and said, you know, I was right, you were wrong. I was there on my own and you left. When they treated me so poorly, where were you? And yet Jesus comes to his disciples with grace and kindness. Jesus Jesus offers them and to his disciples assembled here this morning his grace. Grace that forgives Grace that loves, grace that calls people close into relationships. Grace that says, I love you where you're at and who you are right now in this moment. And grace that allows us to be connected one another in a community in this upper room or in this church in a way that people haven't been connected before. Because grace in its unconditional nature opens hearts and lives from God to people and from people to one another. And that's a platform upon which you can build a life as you are the gracious, peaceful presence in the events of life that you share with those around you. And then that piece of hope. Every bit of post-Easter is hope. There's not a point of it where Jesus points back and says, this is how it was and, and puts it on him. It, rather, Jesus is, is this marvelous hope giver. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, there's hope. Our hearts burned within us. The disciples eating breakfast in John 21, they're, they're hanging out, they're doing their thing, they're fishing, and now all of a sudden they're eating breakfast with Jesus. There's this marvelous hope. Here in John chapter 20, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Everything filled with hope. Paul writes, hope does not disappoint us. Christian people, Christian disciples have a hope that sees through dismal events and painful events and sees peace and grace and purpose on the other side. And that's what we have that the rest of the world flat out doesn't have. And that's a platform upon which to build a life. A life not just filled with events, but a life filled with meaning, a life filled with peace and grace and hope. In our family, we like to have parties and we have fun parties. It's lots of laughter and lots of messing around. It's, 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 it's the best part of my wife's organizational stuff and my disorganized fun. 
And it just comes together in a marvelous way. And this season for us, we have reason to celebrate. Our son just finished his MBA at Chapman and, and we're all excited and he's all excited and he's inviting his friends and we're inviting some of our friends and we're gonna have this party and all this stuff. And the great blue heron came and ate all the rest of the fish out of my pond this week. So I gotta find a way to put more fish in my pond. And... Unreal. Do you realize you can rent fish for four or 500 bucks? And put them in your pond? <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> I've never been outsmarted by such a large bird, but I'm telling you, that bird is almost five feet tall. It is unreal. I've got pictures. I'm saving to show you, but it'll be kind of funny. I, I got a little time. Pastor Mike's not here yet, is he? Okay, good. <laughs> Talk, got it. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, you don't take yourself too seriously, but you take your mission seriously. But my wife called me upstairs and she said, you have got to see this. And through the window upstairs, this huge bird was perfectly framed on the roof of my neighbor's house. And I thought, do you know what the, do you know what the fine is for shooting a great blue heron? <laughs> Up to $24,000. I know, huh? It's not worth it. <laughs> so our list is made for our party. We're going to call the taco man. We're going to have friends over. We're going to get the yard done. We're going to manicure the grass so it's beautiful. We're going to clean the kitchen. We're going to have the whole house clean. It's going to be beautiful because our friends who we want to celebrate with, we want them to come into a presence of grace and peace and hope. See, every passageway of life that we celebrate gives hope for the future. And as we celebrate that with one another, we build community. We build a community of people who are connected not in just events, but events that serve the greater purpose of life and bring meaning and joy to our hearts and lives. Every celebration is more than the food and more than the people, more than the drinking and laughing and celebration and even the purpose why. Every party, every relationship is a platform for the love of Jesus to be present and to see that life is lived on a platform of grace and of peace and of hope. And that makes an enormous difference. This last January, I was able to travel with my friend Leslie Cornelius and his cousin Das Tikikis, and we were able to go to India. We landed in Chennai, which was Madras, and uh, Leslie, we, we landed in the middle of the evening, and he said, Pastor, we'll come back to this. And I said, well, what's this? And he goes, this is the shrine of St. Thomas. And I said, really? And he goes, Pastor, didn't you know that St. Thomas brought Christ to India? And I said, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that. I kind of remember that. And he said, well, St. Thomas stood right there where the shrine was, and that's where he was martyred. And throughout the rest of the week, I learned how passionate Indian Christians are for Jesus. You see, in a caste system where you're kind of born into the lower end of things, you tend to be kind of broken, and there's not a lot of hope in your life to move your way up the, up, up the ranks of the system. But when the Indian people found the platform of Jesus in their lives. The response is passionate. To visit with Indian Christians, they tell you when they came to Jesus, when they were baptized, 
They pray with a desperation and an urgency that is powerful and inspiring. I find myself standing in a church praying with Indian pastors, not knowing any of the words they said except Jesus Christ and amen, but being linked by that platform of Jesus' love and His grace and the hope that fills all Christians. You see, Thomas, having been led to Jesus, was then sent by Jesus. As the Father is sending me, so am I sending you. Thomas ended up in India and gave his life for his faith in service to the Indian people. He gave his life because he no longer doubted and he believed in Jesus and made a sacrifice that inspires us to this very day. I would offer that, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, that we are ambassadors of the reconciliation and the power of Christ. And I pray that God would open for you those doors and the events of your life and give you the passion as he sends you to live your life on the platform, the platform on which he called Thomas, a platform of peace, of kindness, and of hope. Amen.